0: Hi, I'm Raphael Honigstein and you're listening to The Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. I am Jake Fenner. I am joined today by Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing today?
1: Doing fine. Uh, it's nice to be coming on and talking about this Bayern steam train or freight train, whatever you will, that just keeps steaming forward uh, and no one can stop us. You know, I don't want to say it might be our year for the treble, but I really, really have a strong feeling it might be.
0: We will be joined by Chuck Smith later on in the podcast to answer some of the questions you've asked us using our hashtag #AskBPW from Twitter. But before we get to all of that, we will talk about Bayern Munich's weekend matchup against Bayer Leverkusen, which saw Bayern win four to two, six goals in total. It was a interesting, a bit of a back and forth matchup. We start off in the ninth minute from. Uh, the Leverkusen standpoint we get a goal from Lucas Alario it was a great lofted through ball given off to him and then he was able to touch it home it was a bit of a question of offside it looked offside to me but after looking at it the video assistant referee said that it was okay so Leverkusen took an early lead but in the 27th minute we get a wonderful through ball from Leon Goretzka to a rushing Kingsley Coman from like midfield. It was a wonderful long ball from Goretzka, and Coleman was easily able to take that and curl it in to tie the game up at one. Goretzka got a goal of his own in the 42nd minute after a dump-off from Thomas Müller. Lots of room at the top of the box. He was able to dribble around and strike it past Lucas Hradecky to get an advantage. And then just on the stroke of halftime, Serge Gnabry got a deep ball from the back line. It took a bounce off the pitch. Gnabry touched it over Hradecky's head to make it 3-1 to one at the half. 66th minute, we jump forward a little bit. Uh, Robert Lewandowski uh, gets a wonderful cross from Thomas Muller. It almost looks like it was going to be a header from the part of uh, Leon Goretzka, but we see Lewandowski in there and he was able to power that header home. And then we cut to the 89th minute where a Bayer Leverkusen player by the name of Florian Wurtz became the youngest player in the history of the Bundesliga to score a goal. He was able to curl a shot past the left side uh, post, past the right side of Manuel Neuer, and he was able to get that redemption goal for his side. So 4-2, the final score for this match. Tom, what were your thoughts on it? What did you think of this Bayern team? And what did you make of Leverkusen without uh, Kai Havertz in this match?
1: So it's obvious that Petter Bosch wasn't exactly spoiled for choice. Obviously, no Kai Havertz in this one, uh, which a lot of us were relieved to see when we saw that news come out that he wasn't on uh, the match sheet or the squad sheet for the match. Uh, obviously, Kevin Fallon just coming back from injury. Um, And it's interesting that, you know, he made a lot of changes between, you know, this match against Bayern and their DFB Pokal semifinal match against Saarbrücken. Uh, But nonetheless, you can see outright from the opening five minutes that his intent was for his side to obviously uh, try and disrupt Bayern. You know, we love to play out of the back, and that's something that he really wanted his uh, attacking players to try and disrupt. And for the opening stages, I would say it did work, and that's exactly... Pretty much what led to uh, their opener. I think it was the ninth minute uh, that Lucas Alario had scored and marginal offside call, but it kind of emulated Leverkusen perfecting the plan that they had going forward. You know, they we were trying to play it out of the back. We got caught. Uh, a lucky ball was played right through the line. David Alaba stepped up just a split second too late, uh, and Olario was played on. And Neuer perhaps could have done better on on the near post, but what I think Hansi Flick and Bayern did really well was just weathering that storm and being able to adapt their their gameplay to the plan that Leverkusen had, which was obviously disrupting them, You know, using the high presses when they can, and uh, di- really just disrupting Bayern's passing flow. And one of the things I noticed, um, and you can see it for Bayern's first goal when Goretzka wins the ball uh, high up the pitch and Coleman is on the left side, uh, if you recall, Coman actually started on the right flank for us, and Ganabri started on the left, and I think that was an instruction specifically from Flick to switch those two. And you know, that kind of seemed to me to be one of the things that really freed up a lot of space for us. You know, I thought Coman did a lot better on the side that had uh, Tapsoba and Leon Bailey, and Musa Diaby on it, uh, as opposed to going against Kareem Bellarabi and uh, Amiri. We know Bellarabi is a real physical, nitty gritty guy, and for whatever reason, whenever Bayern plays Leverkusen, he's always a guy who's just persistently fouling, and you know that's that's what he received his yellow card for. But once we made that switch, I thought our ebb and flow was was, was really nice. We played the ball out quickly from the back. We were a lot quicker with our passing. The spaces started to open up, uh, and Leverkusen just couldn't weather the storm. And I think that just shows how much Hansi Flick, you know, got this got Bayern to just adjust adapt and be able to respond to going down so early on because let's be honest that's not something we're used to especially in the in the rook runda so i thought that was an excellent thing to see and i thought it was kind of one-way traffic after um you know halftime and we had come out strong and clearly the better side in the second half but you know it was nice to see Florian Wirtz get his goal become the youngest scorer ever in the bundesliga at 17 years of age but uh, again that was merely just a consolation
0: Bayern are now seven points ahead of Borussia Dortmund with four games to go in the remainder of the season. Bayern plays Borussia Mönchengladbach at the weekend without, it should be noted, uh, Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Müller. They accumulated five red cards on the season, both against this... uh, Bayer Leverkusen side, so they will both be out for this game, but we will talk about that more on an episode of Der Ausblick, which will drop later this week. Bayer Leverkusen, meanwhile, have a game against struggling Schalke at the weekend, but earlier today, on the day we are recording this, uh, they defeated our our beloved uh, 1FC Saarbrücken, nothing in the semi-final of the DFB Pokal. Uh, Leverkusen are off to berlin to the Olympiastadion. they will be playing against the winner of bayern munich versus eintracht frankfurt in the final of the german cup tom that game is on wednesday of this week june 10th what is your prediction for that game we already did a dare ausblick so we're not going to do another one of those but what do you think is going to happen for this game
1: well quite frankly adi Hutter is going to have it up against him because Let's face it, not much has changed with this Frankfurt side, and they have just really, really struggled uh, this Rook Runda. Um, And obviously, the yellow card suspensions aren't going to affect Lewandowski and Muller for this day of papal call match, so we don't have to worry about that until Minchin Gladbach. So honestly, I think it's going to be much of the same from just a couple weeks ago when we beat them uh, 5-2, I believe it was, at the Allianz Arena. Yes, it wasn't the prettiest uh, but we got the job done and I think it's gonna be much of the same. I don't really think there's gonna be a lot of personnel changes from Frankfurt's perspective. Um I think they're still missing Jelson Fernandez and uh Pacencia, who have been, you know, two big misses for us. I think the two danger men, again, we really hope that Hinterrager just doesn't have another absolute day against us because we saw, you know, how much damage he can do when he's on form. Still though, I would even say, you know, three one or four one to Byron Munich, I just don't see Frankfurt matching us at all.
0: I like 4-1. I'm also going to go 4-1, though I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it was a 4-2 or even a 3-2 match. Uh, I imagine that Bayern is not going to rest Lewandowski and Muller after, after after their yellow cards they picked up against Leverkusen. They're probably going to want to get the most that they can out of them and seal their place in the final and hopefully we're going to take a quick break but when we come back we will be answering your questions that you asked us on twitter so stay with us welcome back and now we get to our segment ask bpw we're joined now by chuck smith as well uh tommy you are our twitter meister you Looked out onto the Twitterverse. You asked the audience for questions. You saw a couple that interested you, so go ahead and read them off to us.
1: All right. So the first question that we'd like to tackle comes from at Casey Witchstruck, and they ask, "What happens when Tiago is fully fit again? Uh, the Kimmich and Goretzka double pivot in midfield has been excellent uh, in the center of our midfield. It's hard to change something that's working." Uh, But how could any team keep a guy like Thiago on the bench? And we'll start with Jake uh, and then go Chuck.
0: I don't know. Like, it's really tough for me because Goretzka has been in great form and so has Kimmich, and I don't see either of them um, being easily replaced. But this is a good problem to have in my point of view, right? I don't think that... I, they're uh, any of the three players, any of the three players that Bayern Munich has, they're not easy to replace, right? And the answer is not to now move Kimmich to right back, right? Because Pavar has been doing a pretty good job over there. Um, But I guess the answer to that question just. Lies and how the rest of the schedule plays out. Right, there are a lot of games that come in quick succession, and luckily, uh, we currently sit in a position where you're allowed to use five substitutions. So, if there's the case where you want to go ahead and start uh, Goretzka and you want to sub on Tiago after 45 or 50 minutes, you can be able to do that. I don't know if that would have been my answer a couple months ago when we only had three substitutions and the world wasn't burning to the ground. But you know what? We live in different times now, so we can roll with what we've got going on right now.
2: yeah, it's a it's a great question, and it's it's really one I've been thinking about because I've been kind of the old man like yelling at the sky, talking about having too much talent on the roster for a long time. But this is where Hansi Flick's really going to earn his money. He's got three phenomenal options right now in the central midfield to work through his double pivot. And let's be honest, Joshua Kimmich, he's never coming off the field. I can't even remember the last time he was subbed off, honestly. He just never gets off the pitch. So it comes down to a question of what happens with Thiago and Goretzka. And I think Flick, just given how he's mastered working through this roster so far, will have the right answers when he needs to have them. If he needs an athletic, box-to-box player that can impact the game in that fashion, he'll go with Goretzka. If he needs a technical player who can work his way, build from the back, have excellent passing and maybe have a little bit more defensive posture, he might go Tiago. But I'll give Goretzka credit. I think we all thought he was more of an offensive weapon For his entire tenure at Byron, but he's really worked hard, you can see, to build himself up physically, and he's embraced that defensive role. I mean, how many times has he gotten back in this restart to save Byron's butt? I would have said another word there, but, you know, we are a family podcast. It's just funny that, you know, even me, who has been on Team Goretzka the entire time, I never thought he would embrace this kind of role and play so defensive. So I'm really, I'm happy with the way that midfield has really shaped up. And it's to me, it's really impressive that those guys, no matter who is out there have managed to form a good partnership among the two players and really impact the game. So this is a good problem. Like you said, Jake,
1: Jake, Chuck, as you guys have said, you pretty much covered all the tracks. You know, I think that with a fully fit Tiago, I do think um, he is a player that should be walking back into the starting lineup, but we have a very luxurious problem. And, you know, Keep in mind, rewind a couple of months, you know, we were looking at a different Leon Goretzka. You know, he's a player that's really had a resurgence since the the Bundesliga has restarted. And, you know, he's really, you know, taken the opportunity by the scruff of the neck and really proved himself. So um, just as Chuck was just saying, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on Hansi Flick to make the right decisions when those decisions c- come, because he is going to, you know, put the pieces of the puzzle, so to speak, together um, for each given match and, and know what, what the right decision is. So whether it's uh, Kimmich, Muller, Gaines, Retzka in midfield or Thiago, Kimmich, Goretzka, Thiago, Kimmich, uh, and then Muller, Gnabry, Klamon, whoever it is ahead of him, um, you know, it's a luxurious problem to have,
2: and Hansi Flick is going to uh, get the decision right. Hey, Tom, is it is it blasphemous to really think that without a contract extension in hand, that with the way Goretzka has been playing, that Bayern is maybe thinking a little bit about how much flexibility it has? I mean, I doubt that they would look at Goretzka and say, all right, well, we don't need Tiago anymore. But do you think that the the thought even crosses their mind with the way that Goretzka and Kimmich have worked together that that maybe Thiago is a player they don't absolutely have to have. I mean, is, is it is it wrong to think that way? And I'm not saying they are, but with the way Goretzka has played, it could open up the opportunity that Thiago, you know, might be thought of as no longer essential. And again, I know that's blasphemous to say around here, but, uh, you know, I think Goretzka is starting to open more and more people's eyes.
1: Not at all. I don't think that's blasphemous. You know, I think our front office— uh, is very open to every possible idea for the betterment of the squad. I definitely think that's something that they've probably discussed, um, even well before Goretzka has had his resurgence, and you know even before Tiago had uh, sustained this minor adductor problem that's kept him out of the last uh, three matches for us. But you know, just I guess to kind of take a holistic answer uh, or a direct answer to that question, I believe that Tiago's contract is on the verge of uh, being renewed. I definitely think that Goretzka, as in addition to the front office, would be thinking of that because I don't think Goretzka is a guy who wants to constantly, constantly be playing a bit part role uh, in the future. You know, let's say if Thiago does sign that contract extension and whether it's for three years or five years, if he's following suit with uh, guys like Neuer uh, and Davies and Muller, that remains to be seen. But um, no I, I don't think that's uh, blasphemous at all I, I definitely think that 's a thought that's crossed the front office's mind um, and I definitely think that's something they 've discussed in in very very uh deep detail because i don 't think there's any stone that they want to leave uh, unturned uh, so moving on to the next question this one comes from at Tom Grozel or grazel i pronounce i apologize if i've pron- I pronounced that wrong. They ask, why do people seem so intent on us signing a right back in the summer? Benjamin Pavard has been outstanding this season, and I can't see us getting anyone better. Uh, I hope people are starting to appreciate Pavard more.
0: I can tell you exactly why there are people that are looking to go elsewhere at right back other than Benjamin Pavard. And it's because he's been inconsistent throughout this entire season. Recently, he has been on fire. But if you think about his performance from the first half of the season, from the Hindrunda, there's a couple of games that really stand out to me, and a lot of them have to deal with Benjamin Pavard either being a little too clumsy on the ball or trying to clear the ball, uh, almost putting it in the back of his own net against, I believe, Freiburg, and just not really being that reliable all-day, consistent right-back option that we have with Joshua Kimmich right beforehand, right? And I think that a lot of the reasoning also will have to do with that, is that there will be a lot of comparisons to Joshua Kimmich and his performance at right-back, and Benjamin Pavard and his performance at right-back. Recently, he's done pretty well. I will give you that. I think he's been really good for Bayern. He's been in form. He's been phenomenal. But if we remember back to the start of the season, whether it was Kovac or insert your other reason here, he wasn't performing to a top level. And I think a lot of fans, I'm not going to say myself included, because I I have been convinced over the last couple of games that Pavard has been good enough to continue to hold down that right-back position. But other people will sit there and say and think more about those previous games. So I think that Byron could and maybe should go out and buy themselves a right back, but not necessarily one that's going to come in to directly supplant Benjamin Pavard at the right back position, but somebody more to compete with him at that position. I know Sergio Dest is a name that's been tossed around. That one might come to mind. Or maybe the Bayern Youth Academy goes out and finds somebody that can also compete in there. But I think that a backup option, if things were not to go as planned, would not be the worst idea. If Pavar regresses to his form from the beginning of the season then, and we don't have a backup, then we're, we might have to scramble by January to try to find somebody to fill in that role full time. So I think that a lot of people are, could be justified in wanting to try to find somebody. But right now he's proving most of those haters wrong.
2: I am on board the Pavar train, Jake. I think he's been excellent. I think he really struggled in the beginning of the year because I, even going back to last year, I didn't think he was very good at center back. And I know Before had you keep some going, and-
0: I think that we should now note that we absolutely 100% need to go out and buy a right back now because you just gave him the kiss of death with your trains, Chuck. You and your <laughs> trains always derail. They never go well. Timo train dead in the water. <laughs> Other trains that you've mentioned, like the lars lucas my train, dead in the water as of right now. <laughs> so I think we absolutely have to commit all of our funds to going out and buying a right back now. And if things don't work out with Banchim and Pavard, you know exactly who to blame. It's you. It is all your fault. I, I, I but appreciate anyways, keep that, going. and I
2: will take all of the heat and hate should Pavard go off the rails. But I am convinced. I think he's been excellent. And I think it's really come down to that switch from center back to right back and knowing where he's going to be permanently. Some players, I feel, aren't the type that can be kind of moved around on a whim. And I think under Niko Kovac that Benjamin Pavard, I don't think he knew exactly what his role was. He didn't look comfortable. And I think it wasn't until he made that initial move to right back where he started to gain some confidence and then when Hansi Flick came in, you really started to see him grow and become this player that we're watching really impact games from the right back position now. And, you know, I think it's that time that that Bayern really does commit to him. And I, I've heard just like you have the name Sergino and He's a great talent for sure. Absolutely could probably walk on to many teams in the Bundesliga and, and compete and or start for them. But I'd be a little wary of bringing in a young talent at this point because if it does turn into a direct competition, you then have the situation where you have, say, Pavar wins it and you have Dest sitting on the bench. Do you really want a young talent wasting away on the bench? Now, I know that Byron has a great day-to-day training environment, and I think that that really benefits young players. But Dest, I feel like if he comes here, he's coming here to play and that would be his mentality. And, and to me, I'm always, again, worried about having too big of a roster. So, um, you know, I, I would tend to maybe look for a veteran, dependable option, somewhat in the mold of uh, Perisic, like Perisic was this year at at wing. They needed a veteran. They needed someone that was going to be stable and dependable. And he's been just that. So I would look that way and probably look to develop a younger right back on Byron two for the future, but that would just be my philosophy. And and yes, I am still fully on board the ARP train and I still fully believe Jake that it will be Timo time at Byron at some point, maybe not this summer, but maybe soon enough. And then, you know, I was going to sneak that in.
0: Will we, will we all be alive by Hmm. that time?
2: Well, I don't know if you saw that goal he had, just yesterday that Peter or whatever, yeah, it was yesterday when they played Cologne and, and Peter Kalashi hit him with the long pass. It was fantastic. It was the epitome of what Timo can do on the field. So now that I've poisoned your ears with my Timo propaganda, I'll turn it back over to Tom.
0: I'll actually, I'll actually amend my previous statement. It shouldn't be a question of not whether or not we'll be alive. The question will be how old will Tom and I be by the time that a 90-year-old Timo Werner finally? Maybe you'll
2: be as old as I, I am win. right
1: now, Jake. I'll uh, have you guys over in my house, and I'll have a lot of display cases with Timo Werner, Premier League Liverpool winners' medals, a couple of European titles in there as well, pictures of him uh, getting Klopp hugs. On uh, European grounds across the uh, the continent, you know it'll be it'll be very lovely, and those will be some some good times to be living in. Looking back on the good old days,
0: you know your FIFA simulation isn't real life, right?
1: <laughs> FIFA is real. It's the realest thing. It's the the most real video game there is.
2: That's why everybody wants another right back. It's FIFA syndrome. It is. I, I was literally
1: <laughs> going to bring up this point. You know, it, it, so as far as you know, people. Uh, or I I should say a portion of people seeming intent on signing a right back, you know, it might be an element of what else is out there. Um, And you literally can look at some of the other right backs in the the Bundesliga and they're guys that do, you know, if you look at their FIFA cards, official FIFA cards, uh, are are guys that that possess a lot of abilities and are well above uh, guys like Pavard and, and, and Kimmich, you know, looking at Dortmund, Hakimi, yes, uh, he's going back to Real Madrid. We don't know what his future is going to hold. Guys like Stefan Leiner from Gladbach, to Costa from Eintracht Frankfurt, Lucas Piechec, uh, the Bender brothers from um, Leverkusen, and Babu from Wolfsburg. So perhaps there's an element of not wanting what you can't have, but you know, wanting something that that isn't ours. You know, there. Of course, it's very easy to to look across the leagues. Um, and say, you know, oh, this guy would be perfect in this system, so let's just go out and get him. But I think we all know it's just not uh, as easy as that. Um, but I think that that might cause some of the perception, you know, and it's very easy for uh, a rumor to start of any given defender, you know, oh, it's his, his agent has talked to so-and-so, so, you know, they might be looking for a move out of their current club, so Bayern should pounce on that opportunity. I think at this point a lot of us are um, a little exhausted with, uh transfer rumors of certain players that have been linked with us so that's just what I wanted to add to that conversation and again with a player who was signed by one manager um who then leaves and is now playing under another ma- another manager. So by this, obviously, I mean Kovac and then Hansi Flick. I always give that player the benefit of the doubt, um, and I think everything, Chuck, that you discussed pretty much describes how I feel about uh, Benjamin Pavard, you know, basically rote rehearsal, you know, over and over again. He's been playing with the same system um, with a lot of the same guys in front of him with the same defensive unit at right back, and I just think he's a player who's shown, um, you know, hard work, putting his head down, and, and a lot of growth uh, as a player, uh, especially in that right-back position, and I think that's part of the reason why he should be our right-back moving forward. You know, if if the possibility arises or someone better is on the market, if it's absolutely the... if I should say, if the price is absolutely right, maybe we can explore that opportunity, but, you know, um, why fix what isn't broken right now? Hansi Flick has gotten everything 100% thus far, so uh, let's, let's keep that going, and Moving on, so at Clayman77, I don't want you to feel as if we've forgotten about you. Uh, you've asked a question about gluten-free vice beer, um, which ones are, are best tasting, and I actually sent you a, um, a direct message on Twitter with a link to a lot of gluten-free beers. I, I personally have never tasted a, a gluten-free beer, um, so I can't really personally help you in that department. I can't really do that justice, so I hope that you find that link useful Um and you find some gluten-free vice beers that you like and you can enjoy while you're watching Bayern matches. So the last question um, that we're going to tackle comes from at ethanstone98. And they ask, if the UEFA Champions League starts back up in August, what are the chances that Bayern can complete treble after such an extended break in play? So the as it stands, the Champions League will be starting quite a few weeks after the Bundesliga and the DFB-Pokal uh, finishes so Bayern would have a couple weeks off so Jake and then Chuck.
0: I saw something earlier today that said that the current odds the updated odds even with all the coronavirus happening puts Bayern at the second best odds to win the Champions League at 4-1 to one behind Manchester City at 11-4. to four. Now that doesn't make much sense to me for two reasons one Manchester City haven't come back from their extended break their coronavirus break yet and two they still have to play a match against Real Madrid now Bayern have to play against a Chelsea team that they were able to easily take care of at home or excuse me. Away at the uh, at Stamford Bridge, they have to come back and play them at the Allianz Arena. But for for anybody to suggest that Manchester City, as of right now, is probably still better equipped to go ahead and win the Champions League over Bayern Munich, I don't know what Bayern Munich team you've been watching because you certainly haven't been watching any Manchester City. But I think that Bayern probably, as of right now, is the best team in Europe. In Terms of wanting to win the Champions League, or your best bet to win the Champions League, or whatever. The team has depth at most positions. They are in form right now, probably better than any of the other German teams. Keeping in mind that one of them, RB Leipzig, are still in this thing. Um, I don't. I don't know why people won't think that it's Bayern. Because let's keep this in mind. There are going to be a lot of rapid-fire UEFA Champions League games spread out over a couple of weeks, while a lot of other teams will be playing their normal league games coming up. So with Bayern, they get to finish out the Bundesliga season. They get to play their final two matches Hopefully, final two matches in the day of Bay Pokal. And then after that, like after a week or two, like you had mentioned, Tom, it's Champions League action. And they've already played a full schedule. So they will probably be the most in-form and tuned-up team out of all of them out there. So for anybody to suggest that Bayern Munich shouldn't be one of the best teams in this competition or the team that a lot of people would go for to go out there and win... We don't know because we've seen over three games or four games, excuse me. We've seen over four games what this Bayern Munich team has to offer. A lot of other teams, be it in Spain, in Italy, in England, they have yet to come back from all of this. They have yet to continue to play their games. So it's going to be possibly tough for some of them to come back and immediately gear up and get into that transition mode. So I think that Bayern are probably going to be more set than others when it comes to the return of the Champions League, whenever that comes in either July or August.
2: Yeah, I, I kind of concur with you, Jake. I think Bayern is well-positioned uh, to, to win a treble right now. Obviously, a lot of things could come into play, Uh, Of course, health being the primary factor in anything. But like you said, they have great depth and a lot of positions, and they have versatile players who can move around. Uh, I think when you look at Byron right now, you have to look at the comfort level they have under Flick, the confidence they're playing with, and a real fearless attitude that I don't think we've seen in past years. I think they've been a confident team before. But this is about as fearless as I've seen them play. I never feel like they don't have a solution. Even in games when they scuffle and when they force things, I feel like there's something there within that team that they know someone will step up. And that's a, that's a trait that most championship teams have. And I think it's what's been missing with Bayern. In the past, the recent past, when you've seen them scuffle, it, it looked like there were 11 confused players on the pitch. But this year, I haven't seen that, and there's always been someone to step up. And again, I hate to just keep trumping up the job that Hansi Flick has done, but his impact on this particular roster and the players that he's using has been phenomenal. And I think that's a real key, and they are a hot team with momentum. The The more wins they keep racking up, the hotter they're going to get. Now I, To me, it's this is going to be a lot of fun because – they could run into Manchester City at some point and that would be just a tremendous matchup because I don't think that under Pep, Bayern ever played as confidently as they're playing now. So this whole scenario to watch it play out is going to be a lot of fun. As fans, we should all enjoy it.
1: If we were looking at this question perhaps um, midway through April, late April, or perhaps even late March, I would have said, honestly, I I don't really know. You know I'm not sure how well-equipped we're going to be to go the distance in the treble, but now that we're tackling this question now um, and seeing how well Bayern have played in the Bundesliga restart, albeit I would say there was a lot of getting the feelers and the kinks out against Union Berlin, as I think a lot of us will agree. um, I have no doubts that Bayern will be Absolutely fine, whether it's uh, one week, two week, three weeks, however long it may be, assuming that we do make it to the DFB Pokal final. Obviously, we still have a semifinal to go uh, against Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, so we're not there yet. I would hope that we are. But, you know, I have every bit of confidence um, in Hansi Flick and, and the rest of the squad and the coaching staff that will be well equipped uh, come time for the Champions League restart, even if there's a, a significant break. It's my understanding that most of the domestic leagues in Europe um, have an aim of finishing their leagues at the same time to accommodate everyone uh, in European competition, not only the Champions League, but Europa League as well. Um, so I think that everyone other than the teams in the Bundesliga are kind of is kind of going to be in the same boat uh, in that respect. Obviously, the Bundesliga has had the luxury of having been playing matches for the past couple of weeks. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I don't think we'll have any problems, um, and it will be an added bonus to have some fit players back, you know, Coutinho, uh, Nicolas Sula, uh, hopefully a fully fit Luca Hernandez, a fully fit Thiago, you know, guys that have been dealing with on and off injuries, you know, maybe they could do uh, with another rest before the, uh, the Champions League Resumes And as much as I'm a fan of the Premier League, obviously with my, my Liverpool fandom as well, you know, I think Bayern has shown just how well uh, we can absolutely batter Premier League teams. You know, I, have, I absolutely hate Manchester City, so I have no problem saying that I think we can push them aside if, if we do wind up facing them at some point in the Champions League. But personally, um, even objectively and I know I've said this amongst our Slack channel before, even if Liverpool had advanced, I think Bayern were well-equipped to beat Liverpool, the current holders of the Champions League title. So, you know, I really do think this is Bayern's year, and, you know, I don't want to jinx anything, especially if uh, I Need No Name is listening, because he's a very firm believer in jinxes, but I really do think this is our year, this is our season. You know, if, if we keep playing the way we've been playing, there's a very strong possibility we will win um, all three titles. Um so that does it for all of the Ask BPW questions. Thanks again, guys, for asking the questions. I think we discussed some great material. It was uh, good fuel for uh, good discussions and good debate. Um, and continue to ask those questions before uh, each podcast episode. We'll always put out the notification using the hashtag #AskBPW. Thanks again.
0: Thank you all for submitting your questions, like Tom said, and thank you all for listening as well. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks, at JeffersonFenner, at TheBarrelBlog, and at Tommy Adams 71 And until next time, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.